Yes. Good morning. Welcome to the war. Let's pray. Well, maybe it's not morning where you are, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for this awesome opportunity, this moment in time, this place where we can learn, where you can give us understanding, where we can uh, receive the revelation of Jesus Christ and know, know the truth that sets us free. You said you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you are my disciples, continue in my word and you shall know the truth. That's what you said. And so we're thanking you that truth brings freedom, freedom from pain and fear and anxiety and all of the other things that plague us that we're so used to being plagued with, Lord, that we don't even think about it anymore. So I'm praying, Father God, today that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive that revelation, that truth, and that encouragement. Thank you, Jesus, for encouraging us by taking on the cross, by not being discouraged, by not being dissuaded or distracted from what you were called to do. And thank you for not sinning. Thank you for not giving up uh, and and betraying the cause. Father God, we thank you for the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your true testimony, that the true narrative of the Most High God and the Word of God is the true story. And I thank you, Jesus, for giving us power over all the power of the enemy, that nothing shall by any means hurt or harm us. You've given us power to forgive and bind and loose and Lord, power to die and power to live and live to the kingdom in the kingdom of God and die to the things of this world. And so I thank you for divine protection over us, especially in these days because of the spiritual war, that you protect all that pertains to us, especially our loved ones, our families, our children, our parents, grand, grandchildren, grandparents, that all of those who have come, uh, we've ministered to in our many days would be encouraged this day. Those who work for you, pray for you, love you, all your people under you that you are have charge or care of, may the Lord bless them. And may the Lord also protect us from the spirits of confusion, distraction, scattering, um, dis- disconnection, those that would take away the revelation, the power, and the anointing of the Most High, that we would complete the work, the ministry, fulfill the ministry, to which you have called us, Lord God. Jesus, you're the faithful witness. You're the wonderful counselor. And you promised to complete that which you begun in us. So, welcome to Rescue Radio. Good morning. Yes, here we are again. Yes, we are here. We're here. And listen, <laughs> we're talking about the, a dimension of the war. Yep. And basically, when Jesus told parables of the kingdom, uh, basically, it was the, in a sense, part of the declaration of war. Right. So, so basically, the mm-hmm. kingdom of God was invading through the king. To come the to the king of the universe, earth. the creator of the universe, becoming man, in order to bring us redemption, to bring us the truth, right? To, uh, to, yeah, to live as the truth, mm-hmm. to communicate the truth about the kingdom of God, and, and to he, die in the cross. And he was here really to clarify the narrative, because um, if you stop and think about it, you know there had been prophets throughout the generations, and um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, various prophets who brought correction and indirection to the people so that they wouldn't get too far off track. But the thing is, uh, they were surrounded by the demonic narrative of um, pagan gods, fallen angels, worshiping, um, you know, the earth and and seeking support and, and benefit from these evil benefactors trying to stay on their good side through sacrifices and whatnot. So paganism, idolatry, worshiping of idols and bringing them offerings and including human sacrifices, was all around these people. So Jesus Christ came to straighten out the narrative and to make a clear declaration. And he actually did it with parables, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, well, he came, you know, and God has brought witness all the way through, you know, from the Garden of Eden on. He said, as you mentioned, he said his prophets. His word, yeah. His word. Written word. Has come to the people, giving people opportunity after opportunity after opportunity but who discerns it? Who understands it? And right. this is this becomes the real problem. And we'll see that as we read through this parable uh, in, Math, in in Mark. Well, let's talk about a parable. What exactly is a parable? You know, the, but we're talking about in Mark chapter four, beginning with verse one, and it goes through uh, verse twenty. It's the parable of the sower and the soils. Right. Now we're not talking about sowing like on a sewing machine. We we're know. We're talking about mm-hmm. planting. 
of course planting and in, in the culture that Jesus was in at understood that, time. that yeah so so a parable basically is taking something a story that using something that people are very familiar with right to communicate a truth that they're not familiar with right and so and some have defined it in, I think in Sunday school <laughs> people kids are taught that um, you know a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning mm-hmm. so well, uh, that's a pretty good simple definition it's really what it is but it, it's it's comparing he says the kingdom of God is like this mm-hmm. so he doesn't just get into some big um, high, high theological, theological <laughs> dispute dis- dissertation dissertation he he takes the things that are common and that's so and he tells a story and, understandable and, and so it, to, to really make it uh, understandable and basically here you know, there's we're, we're talking a little bit about why Jesus used parables mm-hmm. okay one of the things that and he did in Matthew Mark and Luke we don't really see any parables in the book of John. Well, we do that one, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Yeah. Isn't that kind of a parable? Yeah, and it's a, a, a again, a, it's, it's again, an illu- it's an illustration about seeds and soil. Illustration, it's kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. But most of them are, uh, mm-hmm. if not all, are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And there's like thirty-nine parables. Okay. Roughly thirty-nine parables that Jesus taught. And one of the things is that when you're reading a parable, you know whether it's there's there's all the you know all these different parables of the uh, the mustard seed, the dragnet, right. the He's, lost yep. sheep, the uh, the two sons, the talents, the good Samaritan, the rich fool, the great supper, the lost coin, the prodigal son. All these basically uh, are are bringing across one main point. So I just want to encourage our listeners that if when you're reading through any of those parables that are found in you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, Mark thirteen, Matthew thirteen has a lot of them. There, there are, there's one main point that God is making. Mm-hmm. There's one, maybe one statement that really summarizes mm-hmm. the whole parable. Mm-hmm. So sometimes what happens is that we get lost in the details of the parable. Mm-hmm. However, words, however, uh, even though there is a main point, there are aspects of the main point that are you know relevant like like we'll see we'll, we'll, as we look we'll at this see, parable we'll see that today mm-hmm. we'll see that today but the details are important but sometimes people read and get all lost in the details okay what's what okay mm-hmm. why did jesus what was the point mm-hmm. that jesus yeah. making was making and yeah. sometimes i think he's telling us things that we aren't ready yet to hear oh. so he conceals them and it's kind of the parables both reveal and conceal exactly. and that's exactly what the word of god does the word of god is like that too it's like a mystery book. It's full of clues. It's full of revelation. It's full of in, very incredible information. It's a treasure map of life to teach you and walk you through to, to receive yeah. the greatest treasure of all. But the thing is, a lot of people can't get it. Don't don't get anything out of it because they aren't. It's it's it has to be illuminated exactly. or uh, the Holy Spirit has to show you, uh, inspire you. Uh, give you understanding, cause you to understand the revelation exactly, of the of the exactly. story. It, you know the story. Of Jesus makes simple a prince a kingdom of the, uh, a principle of the kingdom uh, in in that story. But it, not everybody's going to get it right away. It's, anyway, it, right? It's it's you know the the twofold aspect of it. It's it seems strange, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's both to conceal and to reveal. But Jesus uh, used use the um, parables because they, you know, it, everybody likes a good story, right? Well, they M- listen for a minute. Most people will listen. listen to a story. It'll, it'll kind of grab people's attention. For a little bit. For, yeah. for, for a little bit. For how long? Well, we anyway, let's read this story and let's um, yeah. see what he says. Let's do that. Okay. Mark chapter four. Yeah. And it says, and again, he began to teach by the sea. Jesus had a beach ministry. Seaside. Uh, yeah. And, and I, a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat on the sea. In other words, they were crowding him and he could have been pushed into the Sea of Galilee. But the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So Jesus is out there in a boat, okay? And that was his uh, pulpit. Yeah. And then he taught them many things by parables. And many he said things. to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Okay, this is, you know, a farmer went out to plant seed, and as it happened, he sowed 
that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, and, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yet yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, some a hundredfold. Then he said to them, He who has ears, let him hear. So what he's taking is is a common illustration of mm-hmm. a, a common scene that there was in Israel at that time of people going out and planting, and, so and they had a you know probably a seed bag over their shoulder, they're reaching in the seed and they're just kind of casting it out. You know one thing about this so, this parable and many of the, of the parables, especially for our Christians is that we become so used to hearing them. We've heard them so many times that we we stop we listening, we stop digging, we yeah. stop looking for something new. And and every word of every passage in the word of God has, you know, deep hidden meanings and sometimes they are revealed to you as you meditate on them. And meditate means to think upon something. And so when these parables are so familiar, we just kind of turn it off. We say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that." And but you know the thing is that's very interesting in this is that the um he's he's talking he what's the main point well we don't quite know yet because we don't know what the previous discussion was what is he teaching them about he's teaching them about the kingdom of god and that there are many different types of soils obviously and types of conditions we have thorns we have hard ground we have whatnot um and so and some yielded and even in the good ground some yielded 30 60 and 100 fold so you have a lot of variety a lot of you know, with this, whatever the word of God is, whatever he's trying to say, there's a lot of different ways that people deal with this and and respond to it. Yeah, and the problem is not with the seed. You know, Jesus said that the sower sows the word. Well, yes, that's correct. The problem is not with the seed. And sometimes, you know, if those of you that are involved with gardening, you get seed, sometimes it doesn't germinate well. It's bad seed. Mm-hmm. But this is good seed. And what the variable here, the variable here is the condition of the soil, or the situ- or the or the environment around it, because, because, for example, um, as we go on and and understand, you know, he says, okay, guys, this is it, listen up. But when he was alone with those around him, with the twelve, asked him about the parable, he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries, the mystery of the kingdom of God. So here's the bottom line, main point. This is about the mystery of the kingdom of God, and to those who are outside. All things come in parables. So the, this is the main point, to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, what it looks like um, on the inside or underneath or behind the scenes. So he said, um, it's, it, other things come to them in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should, should turn and their sins should be forgiven them. Now notice Isaiah said, having ears they do not hear, having eyes they do not see. This is always a problem. But Jesus also said when he healed the blind man, he said the Pharisees came after him and he said, you know, um, you uh, say that you see. And because you say you see, you have a sin here. Because if you don't see, there can't be anything really held against you. But because you say you see. And so in other words, it's kind of a benefit. (laughs) Ignorance is not bliss. But he's talking about those who are very very chosen to know this. And he said, um, and in, I think in, um, he said in Matthew, he said, you know, to you, it has been given to know not only the the secrets of the kingdom of God, but, um, that's something the prophets wanted to look into. They wanted to know about this and it's been given to you. Well, you have to remember when bless your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear for surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see the things which you see and did not see them and hear what you hear and did not hear them. Therefore, hear the parable. So this is the how he adds to it in in Matthew, thirteen. But well, yeah, and, and and when the Bible uses the term mystery, it's not like a, we think of a mystery novel or a mystery movie or something. It's not it. It's it's like a whodunit type of thing. It's basically it's a it's a Hidden principle that's that was once hidden now revealed. Everything has been a mystery, and, and, it's, and it all it gets revealed in its time. Right, so truth becomes apparent, revealed in this time. Even the mysteries, like for example, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
there were many, many things hidden from Adam and Eve, yet they knew a lot of things. But what was, but was, what was protect, they were protected from was knowing the wicked, potential wickedness of evil. And when they looked into that, that became seeking hidden knowledge. And that's the definition of the occult, we're actually seeking hidden knowledge. And so, but here Jesus is saying here, look, I'm going to show it to you. It's not occult. You're not doing the wrong thing. I'm actually going to reveal it to you. I'm going to show you this. So why is he revealing it? So that we can understand it. Yeah, um, he's revealing it to his disciples. Now, some of the people that, that were hearing it, probably, a lot of them probably didn't get it. Well, it's very it. in- interesting how he says this. He's, he's making another point here. This is about the mystery of the kingdom of God. But if you don't understand a mystery, if you don't care about the mystery, you don't, you're not in inquisitive and you don't understand it then it does you no good he says here he says do you not understand this parable i mean he's probably saying this is pretty obvious guys why can't you get this how then will you understand all the parables he says in verse 14 the sower went out to sow the word the sower and these are the ones by the way said when where the word is sown and when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. I think, for me, this was the biggest revelation about the whole parable. How the activity, again, we're talking about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. How Satan's activity, he, he's actively working against the kingdom of God to take away the seed or the understanding. He says, um, because when they don't understand, when they don't understand, um, Satan comes and takes away the, the seed out of their hearts. Now let's just go back to Matthew 13 because he makes it really clear there. He says, um, uh, he says, it's verse 19, 13, 19 of Matthew. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, that little phrase, does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he who was sown on in. Oh. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. By so, on the path. Yeah. You know, the hard path. The hard path. The yeah. unresponsive, don't get it. Unresponsive, don't get it, don't understand it. The road. Mm-hmm. Well, here's that, that's an easiest place for, for the birds to pick up seed, too. Because if it falls into good soil, it's half the time it gets a little buried, buried in there. It's very obvious there. Mm-hmm. But one of the problems back in those days... We now have corn planters who plant that plant the seed, you know, a couple of inches into the ground after you've plowed it. But in those particular days, they were doing everything by hand. Maybe they plowed the ground, but they had to still scatter it. There wasn't a machine at that point that they had anyway that would tuck these seeds into the ground. They didn't where have they... the pre- precision planters like that, and right. And sometimes, so this too, was a real problem. And the the thing is, too, they must have, you know had some drift. Maybe there was a wind that day, and so they're. Mm-hmm. Most of the farmers are not going to throw seed on places where it's not going to grow, but sometimes you're scattering it and it it, it drifts and, and gets in the place so where here it's the, not going to grow. But he says here in, in Matthew, he says, um, uh, let's see, the wicked one comes and snatches away that which is sown. In Mark, he actually says Satan, Satan comes. Mm-hmm. So the wicked one, Satan, same thing. So what is Satan doing to our efforts to... You know, evangelize the world, teach people the gospel, bring forth salvation and, and, and harvest in the harvest field. What is Satan actually doing? He's keeping people from understanding. Right. Or they're, they're disinterested. They're bored. They, it, this is irrelevant. Now, this is, not, in, in, no, this is not glamorous. It's not going to the movie and seeing the, the sensational special effects and the, and the you know, thrill. I mean, the constant, we're, we're overstimulated constantly now by our electronics. We, everything is instant at our fingertips. You've got to have it now. You've got to have all the information in front of you. Uh, it, it's like you're in control, but really the thing is in control of you because you're, you're being subtly, insidiously um, programmed to believe that, you know, you've got to have it, you've got to have it now. Um, and you're in control when, in fact, that thing is creating in you an appetite to have immediately. So the word of God seems like uh, slow, uh, ir- um, irrelevant, irrelevant, yeah, and and and, and hard, and it's not fun. It's not. It's it it requires understanding. It requires perseverance. It requires suffering. It requires work. And so, who would want to do that in this world where everybody is inclined to seek? the path of least resistance 
and take the ways of comfort, whether it's, you know, you know, how you relax, how you spend your free time, uh, what you eat, how you prepare your food, everything is seeking that easiest way. And, and so we don't want the word of God really, which means I've got to work. I've got to pay attention. I've got to die. I've got to die. And so this gets to be kind of a exclusive, exclusive invitation to whosoever will be willing to lay down their life. Nowadays, it's getting so bad that people are actually willing to trade their souls, trade their own their own DNA for a, a bowl of soup, if you will, like for, it, for maybe a, a little, a few more years of life, or yeah, to that's be really enhanced, serious. to have yeah. a, mm-hmm. to be a better athlete, to be a better yeah. You guys uh, look at look at that. That's very insidious. But we need to understand that when we don't get it, when we don't get the whole picture, the true narrative. We don't understand the war between God and Satan, and we just look at what it looks like here. We get this little appearance effect, and we don't get the whole big, big picture. We're easily deceived, and that's exactly what he's saying well, here. He said the second, word gets snatched out of their right, souls. Second Corinthians four four: The God of this world has blinded the yep, minds yep. of those not believe. So, if your mind is blinded, it's not functioning properly. How are you going to ever get understanding? Yeah, or 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 will you even want it? Will yeah. you even? crave it or want it yeah so that's that's the point where we are today in our world and then the the second type of uh, ground here is the stony ground Mm -hmm. verse uh, 17 yeah well 16 yeah likewise the ones sown on the stony ground who when they hear the word immediately they receive it with gladness in other words they they receive it yeah this is good cool yeah i want to do this i'm going to I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. Right. But then verse 17, and they have no root in themselves mm-hmm. and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So they, they it's like... What does that mean, has no root in himself or root in himself? What does, that seems to be their problem because um, they receive it with joy, but they're on the stony ground. The stony ground does not permit deep roots, obviously. Right, right. So There's they have no root there. in themselves. What does that mean? The the meaning of that, I would say, is that you know they they don't have the they just don't have the endurance. Well, they, they don't have the the kahunas to they don't have the they don't have to, the commitment they don't the, they have the not learned they don't level. have the character they don't have they've not learned the basics of of fundamental um you know of work sticking with yeah something, persistence determination during difficulty uh, completing and, things fulfilling that yeah. they're they've been either protected overly protected and their roots are shallow like many in this generation well in all generations but they it's been done for them so they didn't have to work hard. They didn't. The roots have to be set deep, and that takes some energy. That takes some work to set your roots deep. Because and it, it's not a fun thing because everybody wants to see the flower on top, but you have to have a decent root in order for that flower to to grow strong and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But everybody wants the flower, but they don't want. The, so a lot of these people they try to skip. Well, they try to take shortcuts shortcut. into life development. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people just you know just. Do it do for me, do, you do know, for me, take or care I'm of me till um, it gets hard mm-hmm. or till I get bored with it. And then I'm going to go on to yeah, something else. I don't have, and, and that's just it. They don't have the persistence or the endurance. So this is a character flaw. This is something, it may have been something they, that was, uh, they failed to get in their training growing up. Maybe they were uh, abandoned on their own. We have a lot of this going on. You've got those kids who have no instruction growing up. They, they get in their instruction from the TV or the, you know, the movies or Hollywood or whatever, but they aren't really, but they're abandoned. They are raising themselves. And the Bible says those kids bring shame to their parents, but there, there's horrible scenarios out there. Lower orphans, abandoned, even kids who have parents can be completely emotionally uh, abandoned or struck down. And so they have no confidence. They have, they have not learned any um, truth in the pit where they were raised. They, it, everything is negative. I can't do it. I've got to, I'm alone. It's up to me. All those things. So there's no hope. There's no, there's no encouragement. So they have a very, or maybe they're overly protected, like I said, and then they're, everything is done for them. So on either case, whether they're overly protected or completely abandoned, they have not developed any kind of sense of character to persist 
in this and they pursuit don't perceive of God. How valuable the kingdom of God is. They don't perceive how valuable they are either. Well, uh, yes, and Jesus said, "If you're going to come after me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me." But before, that, but what is he saying? We're we, to deny. That, to, to that, deny. Deny yourself. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? What that means is that you know, basically, this is a one-way trip. I'm going. When when somebody was going to the cross to die on a cross back in those days. But who wants to do that? Yeah, it's like it was like a who'd sign up trip. to who'd sign up to die <laughs> Any, on a cross? Anybody that was <laughs> carrying the cross beam of a cross going over to a hill to the place of the skull or wherever it is in those Roman times. I know. They knew that this person but, was not coming back. But nobody it's volunteered to take a cross to carry it down the Via Dolorosa. Nobody came up who, to a Roman soldier. Volunteer for that? Nobody. <laughs> So what what's going to well, happen? Jesus said you got to volunteer for that. So why does Jesus say, except a corner of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone? What kind of a conversion? Okay, so deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Uh, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. He will lose his life. What kind of a revelation do these people have that they're willing to give up their life for someone else, uh, lay down their life, fall into the ground and die so that others can live, so that more can come forth. What what kind of a conversion, what kind of a commitment? That's beyond human reasoning. Yeah, it's beyond. It's it, not reasonable. It goes against... Um, Survival. Our our second nature. Well, it goes, the, the it hum, goes against, yeah. Nature. It goes, it totally, because... It goes against evolution, the survival of the fittest, doesn't it? The kingdom it? of God crosses. You know, like one of our great um, friends of years, years by when we were little... A little in the Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, the Lord. And he would say, the cross is when God's will crosses your will and you choose to do the will of God. But who wants to do that? And why would anyone want to do that? Why would anyone care? Why did, you know, Here we have a pretty plush life for now, for, for maybe for the next two weeks, 20 days, 20 minutes, who knows. But we've got, we're very sucked up into this world system where the God of this world, like you said, has blinded the eyes, blinded the minds. Mm-hmm. And so to break out of that blindness, that, that deaf and dumb spirit, that stupor, that disassociation, that disconnection, that, uh, you know, just it is what it is. How do we break out of that to come to the place where we want to commit to full uh, productivity uh, for for the Lord God, only, only, only if we truly see the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness, and see that the stakes are high, and see that there's a real war, and see that there's a real enemy, and see that there's a, a real heaven. There's a real uh, uh, conflict going on here for not only the souls of men, but between God and Satan for um, humankind. Well, there has to come a revelation and an understanding. Even though we don't understand everything, well, there's a revelation mm-hmm. and then a, a devotion to that. Paul said, I think it was Acts chapter 26, before King Agrippa, he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He saw right. something he saw beyond the heavenly this vision, right? Abraham left. Uh, or the Chaldees. Why? Because he took for a city whose builder, whose builder and, maker and maker is God, God. Who, that has foundations. He saw something beyond. Mm-hmm. They, and you read Hebrews 11, the the great hall of faith. The people were looking beyond this life. They saw something that, that really relatively very few ever see. Mm-hmm. And it was revealed to them, and they devoted themselves to that, to the kingdom of and God. And they were willing to take up a burden um, to, pers- to pursue the kingdom of God, the burden of the losing of their own life and ambitions and goals and five-year plans to to go forward and do something much greater. And the, the much greater and what lasts for forever, mm-hmm. not just for a, a temporary um, success or achievement, something like that, something that lasts forever. It's the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. It's the, the rule of God. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. I mean, you know, God, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they, mm-hmm. they're, they're the... Um, producers, the creators of the kingdom, and the kingdom of God the is supreme. Mm-hmm. This is an eternal kingdom, and 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 the destiny of people uh, is is really the you know the lake of fire or uh, the new heaven and the new earth. And and so those that really have that kingdom revelation will do anything they possibly can. But that's to a conversion help somebody process. 
yeah. helps somebody come to know but Jesus. Be- but that may, that might not happen just instantly. But there has to be that process. But who sticks around for the process? Right. Who's, yeah. Who sticks it out the whole time to to come to that place where you really become well, I think, uh, fruitful? I think what really the Holy Spirit becomes almost like the, the gardener. He keeps tending the soil. He keeps, you know... Uh, weeding, protecting, nurturing that little plant. But as we're going through this, we see now there's, so there's people of all types, characters, sizes, shapes, inspiration levels, commitment levels. The whole, the, the, the earth is like the the harvest field, so to speak. So everywhere the word is planted, everywhere the word is brought, everywhere the word is brought, people have yeah. a respond. They, yeah, they, yeah. they, they respond just like the soil responds to the seed or the seed responds to the soil. The seed is built to germinate. It's built to to live. It's built to go mm-hmm. forward and bring forth life, and but not all of it. The places that the, the word is brought are conducive or prepared for the seed to be brought forth. But think for, for your own self. You cannot make this decision for anyone else, nor can nor will you be affected by their decisions. But what is your commitment level to bringing forth? Why are you converted? Are you surely convinced? Is the revelation of Jesus Christ the the paramount thing in your life or are you just kind of one of those who's going along for the ride and seeing where the ride ends or do you want to you know do what the lord god says so he says here the wicked one comes and snatches away the seed sown in his heart this is he who receives the seed on the wayside then we talked about he who is you know um not he hears the word uh has no root in himself no character built up in him he's kind of you know hanging out just seeing what'll happen, you know, people take care of me, give me what I want, I deserve, you know, because it's just all kinds of lies on both sides of that, of that pair, of that spectrum. Um, and that's how he snatches the word is through the lies. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think of a, <clears throat> a time in my life when I was, a, and we'll address this more a little bit later, the Lord willing, in this program. When I was a young man, there was a time I, w- I went to this big meeting, just make this very short, and I just gave my life over to the Lord as, as much as I understood. But on the way home, I talked myself out of it. Because you believed that. Oh, this is silly. It's going to be too hard. You think this, I don't think I can do it. Right. Uh, this gonna, was kind of stupid. Because it was presented to you on the wrong basis, a basis of good works and be good and never sin again. And who can do that? So you kind of say, I can't do that, so I'm not even going to begin. So, so the enemy was there to snatch, snatch the, the word, word away. in my heart. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at that point, my 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 heart was like the uh, mm-hmm. wayside. Well, like I think a lot of times this happens to heart. people, kids, little kids, a very gen- gentle, tender they go to a Sunday school class. They love it. They they're they're being fed. Their spirits are starting mm-hmm. to grow, and then then life happens, and uh, their they parents get, get divorced, teen, or they or they get yeah. Or I have I have people I know. They they start out loving Jesus, and it's because it's it's a real spiritually natural thing to do because the mm-hmm. children especially relate to God more because they've just come from there, so they're not all bogged down with, with reason and responsibility and the lies of the world, the pit, uh, you know, your own self-concept or whatever, and, and, and yet they can be snatched, plucked up. It's like they start to grow. The little plant is plucked up and cast on the weed pile, you know, and it's like their life becomes just a disaster because now their mother or father's going in another direction. They're divorced. They're <clears throat> their whole world gets ruined and, and then they get ruined for a long time. I've seen this over and over where people, many years, d- decades, they'll be, they'll be strewn around. They'll be cast from pillar to post. They'll, they'll have all kinds of devastations, health issues, relationship problems, incredible. And yet at the end of that whole season, 50 years, 60 years, sometimes, <clears throat> there's still a spark of desire. There's still a drawing mm-hmm. from the Holy Spirit. There's still a working of God in them to bring forth life. And you know, they'll, you can say, well, why did it take God so long? And they wasted 50 years and they could have known this sooner. Well, yes, yes, and all. God knows all that. But also think about the bottom line and the overall uh, true character nature of this whole, their story, their journey, is is actually his story, mm-hmm. Christ's story in them. They, their life is a testimony to the great, the faithfulness of God because God is able to endure with them, go 50, 20, 30, 40, 50 years with them 
through whatever Satan could come up to throw at them. I mean, and he's throwing everything at these people. And yet at the end of it, God is still there and God is still loving them and there's still hope and he can, and he still wants to completely restore and redeem them. And this is a tremendous testimony to the love of God because God has not given up on them even when they gave up and were lost. So Jesus says, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. And probably a lot of people who are lost today don't know they're lost. But the Holy Spirit, the Good Shepherd, he knows that what he's doing. He knows where to find us. So we He's can, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so... Yeah. The the other the other soil here, another one is the um, thorny ground. Mm-hmm. Verse uh, Jesus is explaining it to his disciples. Verse, verse eighteen. Now these are ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And then verse nineteen mm-hmm. of Mark chapter four, and the cares of this world, mm-hmm. the deceitfulness of riches, mm-hmm. and the desires for other things enter in, mm-hmm. entering in choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. Wow, so, look at that. So, so thorny ground, other things, many distractions, difficulties, um, situations. I think thorns are like situations where you feel like I had no choice. I, I, I got married to this person and they absolutely turned out to be something I didn't expect. I had no choice. Now I'm locked into this agreement, this marriage. Um, you know, I had no choice. People are people who are locked in addictions. Also, they get controlled by those things after a while, and so the thorns are like points and pokes and uh, intimidation, where people choke. They're, they lose. Uh, thorns grow well faster usually than little plants, um, and and choke them out. They um, the cares of this world, bills, you know, uh, careers, yep. um, making making a living, making a house payment. Uh, you know, raising the kids, making, getting people to like you, um, riches, seeking money, four hundred one k's, bank accounts, uh, stock markets, investments. Yeah, on either side of that coin, whether it's debts or yeah. overly much, it's yeah. all problems, because. Um, so we're in this world full of issues, full of issues, troubles. Now Jesus said, "We're in the world, but not of the world." That's right. And so, um, but we don't know that. But we yeah. live like we're in the world, and we're struggling to survive in this world all the time. And it's and we're really kind of on the edge that way because mm-hmm. you know, as as believers, there's all these things, these worries, cares, fears. Well, what's going on? Always trying to encroach on us, or, or take our time, to, take, take our, our attention, time. take our anointing, exactly. take our energy, mm-hmm. uh, get us to speak, uh, you know, up against them, take up a, a, a mandate or something. He says. Uh, the deceitfulness of riches. You know, people sometimes think if I were just rich, everything would go, all the problems would go away. Uh, money answers all things. Isn't that what Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. says? Mm-hmm. And so they strive to be millionaires by the time they're 30 or whatever. And some people can, and they, they're successful. They get they get it. They make it. But then that becomes, a, okay, now I can sit like the rich guy who had his barns all full and was going to build more barns. And he says, I got eat my soul, take your rest, eat, drink, and be merry because we're going to be taken. It's it's great. But you, there is no place in this earth for a, you can have a little platform where you can sit for a minute. But the, the arrival destination is not here. It's not a Disney cruise. It's not a, uh, you know, uh, your bucket list completed. It is arriving at the pearly gates where Jesus Christ says, mm-hmm. come in. Well done. Good and faithful servant. And he doesn't look at all the years of failure, all the 50 years of you didn't do it right. He doesn't care because he already knew all about that. He knew. And so if we can have the courage to believe that he is good, that he's, he's, he loves you, that he's got for you what you've been looking for all your life, if, it's, if you get that understanding, that revelation, and make it that your destination, then you have really succeeded and you're not, not going to get choked out by these thorns. Um, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the de- the desire for other things. How many, how much advertising are we exposed to every day where we need something? How many, how many stores you walk into and they want to set you up to need this and that and want this yep. and that and they're, they're, buy they're this stimulate desire. Shopaholics, you know that doesn't. You know you buy something new. You why do want you want it? Why do you buy something? You got to have it. It's a new thing or whatever that you don't really need, but you got to have it. 
and you buy it because you think for a second that is going to make my world better, better mm-hmm. nice, uh, clean, uh, orderly, um, with peace. Uh, those things cannot do that. There's no thing you can put on your wall. There's no thing you can set on your floor. There's no new device, no new gadget, no new technology that can do anything for you that God cannot do for you. They can't be a substitute for God. They can distract you. They can you know, take your time. You know, but so, they cannot really fulfill your heart's desire. So Jesus said it's not just riches, that mm-hmm. are the, it's the deceitfulness of riches. And things, and yeah. the desire you, for you things, or goals, or relationships, or, per, or um, you know, prestige, or being popular. When Jesus said a man's life does not consist in, in the, the abundance, abundance of, of the things, things he possesses. So it's not wrong with possessing things, but mm-hmm. when things possess us, that's where the issue is. He also said be. godliness with contentment is great gain. Yeah. And so godliness with contentment is the gain. Mm-hmm. And this is something that, you know, you know, you, you, but it's not that we seek poverty. It's not that right. we seek loss. It's not that we seek to be ripped off. At, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, only... When you know who you are, can you uh, resist the thief and say, no, you won't. You will not take that. You will not have that. You will put that back. That belongs to me. That belongs to the kingdom of God that was given to me by God. Only when you understand your position as a citizen of this kingdom of God will we be able to stand and having done all to stand to submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee. So we have power. But if you're just operating in this world, the, the three dimensions of this world, you'll, have, you'll be crushed. You'll be walked over. You'll be, the thorns will eat you up. The devil will destroy you because he hates you. The only way you can survive is to move into the other dimension of the kingdom of God and becoming a citizen of the kingdom of God. Yeah, and, and within that kingdom, God is giving provision. He'll give provision for us to do what he's called us to do. That's why we come to verse, and, and, yeah. And, and to help others, too. So you get to the next verses verse. here. It's about the good ground. Uh, verse 20. Verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it. And in another place it says, I think it's Matthew 13, it says, understand it mm-hmm. and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. So those that receive the word, they understand it. They have to understand it first. You have to understand it. You have to understand the correct paradigm. Because Satan, like I said before, is creating a zillion narratives about everything. He's got a counterfeit for everything God has. Satan has a counterfeit. Even for grapes, there's imitation grape flavor, imitation strawberries. There's, there's, there's imitation gospels. There's the gospel of sin that most of you believe is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is not. The gospel of the Son, the good news, the grace, and the Son of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's come to rescue, redeem, save, uh, deliver us. But the gospel of sin gets us all tangled up in trying to get rid of our sin, which which distracts us and gets us frustrated and then puts all the burden for salvation back on us. But when we know who we are, we know that this is a battle, this is a real war, that there's a war between God and Satan for the souls of men, and that we are the prize in this battle, and that God is good, and we have been created in his image, therefore we are good, then we can resist all the devil's lies and attempts to put upon you all the thoughts of, I'm stupid, I'm bad, I'm sick, I'm depressed, I'm addicted, I'm no good. All of that stuff, you come into an agreement with it, and you become taken, taken over, overtaken by it. And so there's actually all of this war, all of this battle between God and Satan for the souls of men where God votes for you and the devil votes against you is determined, the victory, the outcome is determined by you. Because God gave us a free will. Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what it looks like, what it feels like, what everybody says, the uh, the uh, opinion polls? What are you going to, are you going to believe what God says? What God says is not always what it looks like. You know, you have to by faith. You, but you've also been built by God to know, K N O W, to know the truth. It's already put inside of us in our first nature, our divine nature. Satan wants you to agree that you have a sinful human nature. That's who you are. And you got to work against that to get back, work back, earn back your divine nature. That's not correct. Your divine nature never leaves you. It's always there. Satan tries to plaster. He tries to re-over-program, program this thing, sinful human nature, because he gets us to believe that we are sinners because he gets us to sin. And why do we sin? Because we want to sin. Or because we're tricked into sinning. Because, yes, because we're tricked into believing 
that this thing I, I'm choosing to do will help me out, will protect me, will give me a leg up, will you know make me feel better, whatever, whatever. And so we believe these lies of the enemy because we because but the, but your spirit man says no this is not right I feel guilty this is not good why do you feel guilty when you sin because you're not built by God to sin sinning is not part of your normal human divine first nature does that make sense yes it does and so when you hear the word of God just when when the seed comes by the word comes by at some point in your life you may be five you may be fifteen you may be fifty the word comes by and your spirit man perks up and he said what was that yes. Oh, that's good. That's true. That's real. That's 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 mine. I because God built us in His divine image to resonate with the truth. Therefore, it's not something you have to figure out. It's not something you have to sift through. Right. It is something that is already uh, written. It resonates in, with yes. who you really are. Yes, exactly. Created it's, in the in the likeness and image of God. But what happens is that. When your spirit responds to the word of God and say, yeah, this is true, this is right, what happens? The devil kicks in high gear. And he sends it, a little distraction down your, uh, down, down well, your road. Oh, well, yeah. Well, what happens is then in your soul, you start, your soul starts kicking in. Right. You start going by, you know, Feelings. Your mind, will, and emotions. Thinking. Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. you're thinking, oh, I'm, let me reason this out. Um, I, I'm not sure how this feels. Well, Satan has a many sure many ways to, to snatch the seed, so, the birds. So we we what the spirit get right. That's one of the things. The spirit gets excited, but then the soul comes and takes over, and we're we're live. We're so used to living by our souls, in our souls, yeah. That we just our little spirit says, "Listen to me, listen to me, listen," uh-huh. and we just like. But the the voices but, of our soul, uh-huh. mind, will, and emotions just kind of almost drown out well and i think times. that the birds that like the the birds are are the, the that's what the, the birds the wor- are satan's are satan's he works through the soul he works through the birds the birds come snatch the seed so it becomes unproductive uh the birds also in one of the parables all sit up in the the, the mustard seed the small seed becomes a great tree and the birds come and sit in it well i think in that way you could say the tree is like the kingdom of god and the birds are like the demons the devils the familiar spirits the the, the false jesuses that come and sit in the kingdom of god they sit there they tr- they're not part of it they but they they they're there they habit it they use it and i think they're infesting it i think that the the birds um, are, are just many, many, many things that Satan can do to throw you off your game, to throw you off the track. What about these fruitful ones now? 30, 60, 100-fold. What, why are some people 30-fold? Some people say, well, I'm not sure if I'm a 30-fold or a 60 or 100-fold or I'm, I feel, you know, I'm a 30, but I want to go for being a 100-fold. Uh-huh. How how does that work? Well, and, it, it's not it's not by goal setting. It's not by you know you, you can make a declaration. I want to be a hundred percent fruitful for God. That's great, but that's accomplished not through your effort. It's accomplished through the Lord God. Because a lot of times we may think that, wow, that guy over there, he's got a church of five hundred thousand, and and I've got a church of five or. Or, you know, that while wow, that they they go on missions trips and I've never, you know, left the soil of the native native soil. You can compare by appearances and looking at things and forget that it's the one who gives the cup of cold water. It's the little woman, uh, grandmother, mother, little old man that sits in his rocking chair and prays and intercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the great ones. And this is, you know, the, the, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, for example, Jesus said it himself. He says, it's not about you getting your name plastered all over and doing evan- declaring yourself to be a prophet or an evangelist or apostle. It is, it's giving the cup of cold water. It's being mm-hmm. the servant. Yeah. And, and so really this whole thing of how well am I doing in my 30, 60, 100 fold, that's, you, you it's know. It's not really an issue. No. It, it, you just be all that God created you to be. And that's your goal. Your goal is to be completely fulfilled, completely fulfill God's purpose and, per, and, and plan for your life because his plan for your life is absolutely believable, uh, beautiful. Um, I have, he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, mm-hmm. plans for, for good, uh, a future and a hope. Yeah, a future and a hope. Future and, a hope. Exactly. And, and so if, if we, but we can't be anybody else. You can't, sorry, you can't trade bodies. Don't compare yourself with somebody right. you, else. We you can know. learn from other people, but don't do the comparison thing. Well, God has made you unique. 
because that and he is he's mm-hmm. got a unique plans for you because the spirit of condemnation often uses comparison in appearance uh-huh. condemnation often comes as who do you think you you're, are you're not as good as you're never, so-and-so. and this is a big yeah. problem even in in the simplest things for example even in our young athletes i just had a conversation with one not too long ago um you know they're on a track meet they're at a baseball game they're at a basketball game and they miss the the, the point they miss the the layup they miss the free throw they they you know fumble the ball they uh they don't come in first in their in their heat in the track meet and and they'll and they've said things like yep I knew I was gonna. I knew I was gonna miss that one. I knew I wasn't gonna make that one. I knew, and that thought has come into their head, and and, and we didn't, and they don't really understand that that thought is the enemy getting you to make a quick agreement with him, so that he can have legal right to snatch away the ball, or to cause you to fumble, or to drop the ball, or to miss the point, or or you know, miss the whatever. So when so the battle for for greatness actually comes in the mind and in recognizing that how clever the devil is in coming to set you up to make you believe I'm, I knew I was going to miss that one. I, I'm afraid I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make that just those little simple little things like, um, and, and for example, here's another example of something like that where you come into an agreement. Let's just say that you, um, uh, you're, well, this actually happened to me the other day. I'm moving this big, heavy object with help and assistance from a couple of other people. Big, heavy thing that probably we needed another person to help move. So we're sliding this thing along. It's very, very heavy, and it slid on my foot, and I fell down. I mean, I, I, I fell down because I couldn't move, and so I'm trapped, and my foot is trapped, and and um, and it hurt a little bit. I mean, I don't know if it even hurt. I was just like, I'm trapped. I can't move. Stop, stop. Stop moving this thing. And so they're all, oh, no, oh, no, did you get her? Oh, 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 your foot, your foot. And um, I said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I must have said I'm fine 40 times because they were more concerned about me than. And you know what? Uh, I It it, it should have, I think Satan's goal for me was to totally crack my foot open, break my foot, probably end up having to go to surgery and God knows how many more things because, interesting enough, that same kind of thing happened to my dad. Um, and it was a tractor that ran over his foot. It was his leg, actually. Same side of the of the body, I believe. And he ended up having to... And so I was saying, this is interesting because generational stuff... I'm just off on a tangent right now, honey, but they're all listening, so we're okay. Um, so generationally, how does this happen? Well, you know, the enemy broke my dad's foot. Now he's trying to break my foot. But what did I say when the enemy took a, a big swat at me that day? Kind of unexpected. I'd said my prayers. I was in good standing with God. It wasn't that I was backsliding. It was just the devil came and took a swat at me. I wasn't even expecting it, you know, because I was just going to think I can move this thing. You know, I got, we're going to do this. But when I, when he tried to hurt me or when he tries to convince you that something's going to go bad, I just said, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know what? And it was fine. I was totally fine. I got up within about, you know, put an ice pack on it for less than five minutes, and I'm up and doing my other things again, and Mm -hmm. it's not hurting, no pain, no, lots of black and blue, Mark. Yeah, it happened. There's no doubt it happened. But I've been walking on my foot, no problem, no surgery, no doctor, no medication, not even aspirin for pain. But the thing is, I, I, I had to resist even the com- the comfort of my friends who were saying, oh, oh, did you hurt yourself? Da, 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 da. And I'm saying, I'm fine. And I wasn't trying to be belligerent because I really believed I am fine. And this happened to me one other time too when the devil tried to hurt my foot. I think it was the same foot. Maybe it was the other foot. I don't remember. But you know what? Don't jump into, oh no, oh no, oh no. Even if there's pain, tell the spirit of pain because he can be quite convincing. Tell him to go, no devil, you can't break my foot. No devil, you can't steal my point. Well, it's a matter again of taking every thought captive, right, and, res- and, and, re- and recognizing, recognizing the this war. is not from the enemy. This is like, oh yeah, I thought this. I felt, you know, I just you know, the thirty, sixty, a hundredfold kind of shows you that it's kind of it is kind of a battle of the mind. It is kind of a battle of the soul versus the spirit because God says there are, there are people that are a hundred percent fruitful. They 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 you can be you can all be every seed that grows in the ground can be, potentially has the potential to be 100% fruitful. But what happens to the 30 and the 60? Are they the ones who get distracted or they don't, you know, or, or maybe, I mean, in the real world, they don't get water. 
they don't get cultivated. They they get mm-hmm. kind of neglected. And is that their fault? Um, well, are we looking for a place to blame something here? No. But, you know, what we're looking for is, you know, uh, remember the, this, the, ter- the parable of the talents. God gave one guy five talents, one guy two talents, one guy one talent. And <clears throat> he wasn't being a respecter of persons. I think he was, he says, to whom much is given, much will be required. According to their ability, he said. Right, and who gave him the ability? He did. So he's right. just, he's just, you know, okay, what's the ability of a five-gallon pail compared to a wheelbarrow? Well, the ability of a five-gallon pail is you can carry five gallons, but in a wheelbarrow, you could probably carry 30 gallons. I don't know. So the ability of the wheelbarrow is bigger, so you put more in it. You fill up the five-gallon pail to five gallons, and it's 100% complete. Mm-hmm. You fill up the wheelbarrow to 30 gallons, and it's 100%. Now, you don't say, well, the five-gallon pail, you know, isn't 100% fruitful because it didn't have 30 gallons in it of dirt mm-hmm. or water or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you see, the thing is, according to your the way God made us, our capacity, you'd be 100% fruitful at five gallons. Somebody else can be 100% fruitful at a wheelbarrow size. And maybe someone else is going to be 100% fruitful because they're built to be a dump truck, you right. know? <laughs> according, yeah, according to the ability and according to our the purpose that he has And for he us. was the one who gave you the ability, so it's not about you striving to stretch yourself from being a, a five-gallon pail into a dump <laughs> truck, you know? <laughs> you exactly. just, you know, but, but when you're complete, complete, 100% complete, you're full, you've completed the work God set before you. Um, you should be satisfied because God is satisfied. That's what he predetermined. And, and he's, he's not going to say, well, you know what? I made you five gallons, but I was expecting you to turn yourself into a dump truck so you could carry much more. And there's a principle here too that I that that bad soil can become good soil. In a few a lot of places if you take the rocks out a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You do rock picking you amend get the, the soil. Out. You amend the soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cultivated the road could be plowed up and you see that in, in, in nature people clear woodland and, and mm-hmm. then turn it into a good ground, make a hay field out of it. Mm-hmm. And and there's times in our lives where we've been like uh Well and you know with that the bad it, ground. Well no God's it, digging out the stumps. Or, or, God's taking the out deal. the look at look at the, the garbage Paul, for example. Mm-hmm. There was a time where the word of God was sown to him, he was resisting it. Okay? The enemy he was a raging madman persecutor, mm-hmm. Saul of Tarsus. But what happened? On the road to Damascus, he was changed. He well, there got he got converted. He got converted. There he, he got saw changed. what was he going on. He became good ground. Mm-hmm. He said, I labored more abundantly than they all. Mm-hmm. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 15. But he said, yet not I, but it was the grace of God. Yeah, and he wasn't. So he became exceeding from a and time of resisting mm-hmm. where the enemy was just uh, controlling Using him. him. Yeah. Using him to someone who became exceedingly fruitful for the kingdom of God. And yet Jesus said labor to enter into the rest. Yes. And so we see the both sides of that coin as well. There's a there's an, a diligent pers- per, uh, perseverance and pursuit of God and a desire to, you know, uh, let him live his life through. That's really what the conversion is all about. And it's it's really uh, until you see that there's the spiritual war and the dynamic is there, there won't be that kind of urgency or that kind of commitment. But once we get that, it's like, then it's easy. Like then, like my friend says, you can ride the wave. Mm -hmm. You can actually ride on top of the wave instead of swimming uh, underneath it or trying to catch the wave. And so with this parable, let's just pray right now that God will bring you and I, all of us, to the place of understanding what this is really about, this war, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness, the imperative, the urgency, because it is coming upon us. The the storm is coming upon us. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So let's pray for understanding for all of us here. Lord, Mm -hmm. we thank you that you are the source of all wisdom, all wisdom and truth, Lord. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. I just pray that you would give us understanding, that that whenever the word uh, comes, when we read the word, when we hear it preached in truth, that you that we will receive it, and uh, and then as we receive it, the revelation will come, and that we will have understanding, that we will have a knowing, 
conversion. We'll have a confidence in you that will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Yes, Father. That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So That your will be done, O God, in us. Yes, Lord. That's We want to be fruitful, Lord. Mm-hmm. You said in John 15, if we abide in you, you will bring forth fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Amen. And so shall we be your disciples. So, Father, we pray for the divine revelation of Jesus Christ and wisdom and understanding that we might um, be fruitful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Life Recovery. Check us out at our website there or truelightchurchmn.org. God bless. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.